Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. My name is Stuart Nash. I'm a filmmaker and the director of the Greater Erie Film Office. I'm John Lyons, a filmmaker, teaching artist, and the executive director of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania. This week we have part two of Stu's conversation with the cast and crew of Discovery Channel's new series, Undercover Billionaire, filmed in Erie. Awesome. But before we get to that, this Wednesday at the Bourbon Barrel, we have the Erie premiere of Apollo 11, plus an Erie Gives Day reminder because August 13th, it's a big day for area nonprofits, and this year, when you support the Film Society on Erie Gives Day, you will enable regional filmmakers to bring their visions to life by helping us create a filmmaker fund. More on that in a moment. Film Grain, Dinner in a Movie is our Wednesday night film series. Film Grain is open to the public and takes place at Bourbon Barrel, located at 1213 State Street, Erie, Pennsylvania. We have a large 16-foot screen. Leather couches are available. Table seating is available. We have a buffet with vegetarian options. And if you are gluten intolerant, you can ask for that, too, on request. Ooh, ah. Table service is available all night long. So this Wednesday, August 14th, we're showing Apollo 11, a cinematic space event 50 years in the making. We just had the 50th anniversary, so this is a well-timed New look at the mission to land on the moon, featuring never-before-seen large-format film footage, one of humanity's greatest accomplishments, Stu. This is a documentary. It's rated G, so it's family-friendly. And please bring, bring the kiddos to this one because they've never seen anything like it. This is a must-see on the big screen, and the only chance you're going to get to see it on a big screen in our region. Earlier this year, we showed a fabulous, dramatized version of this story in Damien Chazelle's First Man, and this is a great companion piece to this new documentary, a mind-blowing reminder what this country is able to accomplish, Stu, when we set a clear goal and unite behind it. Remember those days? I do. It was the American <laughs> dream. It gives me hope that one day soon, maybe we'll do the same thing for the climate crisis and other critical issues of our time. I hope that we can have another Apollo 11 type unity someday, Stu. <laughs> Find out why Apollo 11 has been one of the surprise theatrical hits of the year. Reserve your seats through filmsocietynwpa.org. Just click events or purchase at the door. Doors open Wednesday at 5.30. Buffet dinner will be announced Monday on the Facebook event proceeds benefit the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania. And speaking of the Film Society, this Tuesday, August 13th, is Erie Gives Day, the long-awaited big day for nonprofits in our region. Please keep us in mind from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. on eriegives.org to donate to the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania. Filmmaking in Erie is on the rise, and one of the biggest obstacles filmmakers face is funding. The Film Society is creating a filmmaker fund, the first of its kind within our region, and this fund will assist Erie filmmakers. During the 12-hour Erie Gives Day event, a portion of our prorated match pool will be added to each donation you make. So this is a great time to help us establish a filmmaker fund and enable our creatives to better translate their artistic vision to the screen. Again, that's the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania, 8 to 8, Tuesday, August 13th at eriegives.org. And with that... 
We now take you to part two of Stu Nash's discussion with the cast and crew of Discovery's new series, Undercover Billionaire, which filmed in Erie earlier this year. You can catch episode two of the series Tuesday at 10 p.m. on Discovery. Take it away, Stu. So another behind-the-scenes piece that uh, that they don't show in the show and that uh, that people don't know about is Chris Trot was you know was always there. He he built the the smoker and, and all that. But at one point he sent all of us a text, and it was right towards the end of Ribfest, and it was a picture of that he, he had taken of Glenn, and and then he got one of Marjorie Deal, and <gasps> and he put on there who did it better with a picture of Marjorie and then a picture of Glenn, uh, and it was our inside joke for a little yes. while. Yes, I have no idea what they're talking about. I'll have to deal. see that one. Yeah. Who is Marjorie Deal? By she's the, the, way. She was the pizza, pizza bomber. She was the evil oh, genius my. behind the pizza bomber. Okay, so yeah, right. I am yeah. lost. Sorry, guys. That's no all right. But that was something that you know it was an inside joke, it was an inside eerie joke. Right. But you know it was those little things that that we kept going to keep our, ourselves going internally. You know, as as we were going through this and, and the stresses would, would ebb and flow and that sort of thing. Um, but I'll I'll get you a copy of that so you can you can add it to the podcast. <laughs> to that point, I really didn't know a lot of the people that we worked with. Like I had met RJ once um, at a birthday party six years ago for like thirty seconds. Like, hey, I'm RJ. Hey, I'm Don, and we went back to our respective like whatever. We didn't really socialize. <laughs> Matt, I only knew because I did his kitchen. I'd never met Chris Norris. I'd never met Chris Trot. I'd never met Armando. Um, Cleet. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> Cleet says something about brisket one day in the group text, and I'm like, pardon my ignorance, but what is brisket? <laughs> Oh my. I've never had brisket before. I know, but you know what? Every time I go to Underdog, that's all I eat. <laughs> and that's brisket. It's so good. Make love to the meat, baby. Yes, that's what he says. <laughs> Cleet Collins. <laughs> Cleet Collins. But, but here's the thing. I had never met some of these people before. And we're in these group chats. And, and I feel like I have made not just business contacts that I can refer business to and uh, stuff like that. But I've made friends. Like we were a part of something that was very, dare I say, life-changing, thinking-changing, like mindset-changing. I think we're very much all connected now in some way and will be for a long time personally and business-wise. I love that I can have a referral to send to Chris Norris and for him and his new business that I have people that I can send his way. Um, Armando and I will work very closely together because he's a woodworker and he builds things. And sometimes I don't have time to build things so I can refer him and he's just starting out as well. RJ and I have talked about doing a line of clothing for my stores and Matt will just you know, he'll protect you. He will. <laughs> well said. Yeah, I've got that background. It's hard to explain. <laughs> we like to keep him around, though, just in case anything bad happens. But, you know, he, Matt's a really good support system. He really is. His positive energy. And that's the thing. Everybody that was on this team was so positive. Like if when I was crying and I felt like I was falling down and screwing up and failing, they wouldn't let me. They wouldn't let me fail. 
And it was the same way. They kept pushing me and building me back up. And and you can do this. I know it's hard, but you can do this. And that was hugely important for me. So I'm part of Team Rubicon, which is a you know international disaster relief organization. And um, we have a thing after operations that they say about a week later, you get what's called the um, the post op blues. And it's basically you're, you're you're thrown together with this team. You're doing this hard work, and then everybody goes home, and then you're left kind of going, "Where'd all my friends go?" Oh, right? you miss us, right? <laughs> and and that actually happened when the crew left, right? Yeah. So we all would wake up to, "We need you here at this time," and you know, wear this, and you know, that kind of thing. And then when when the crew wrapped, it was like this huge vacuum, this void, all of a sudden popped up, and uh, and it was like. Why wow, I, I kind of miss everybody, you know? You're going to make me cry because that's the same exact <laughs> feeling I get at the end of every shoot on the last day. Exactly. I remember when I left uh, uh, beyond Before the Border, Tim Larson's project, I bawled my eyes out. And my wife's like, what's wrong? It's like, this is the last day we're ever going to be working together again. On Earth, yeah. same thing. Right. I have never told anybody that. Aww. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Some of, not some of, all of the people on that crew. Family. It is. And I got to spend a lot of time with a lot of the producers and got to know them personally. And um, they are amazing people. They're amazing humans. And their jobs are so cool. And it's it's they've all got Emmys. They've they've all done amazing things with their careers. And they're like, oh, no, we're just behind the scenes people. No, you're not. You're awesome. Like, <laughs> well, let's explore that a little more, right? So, if you look at at um, Tim, who's one of the producers, and and Melinda, if you look at just look at them alone. So, Tim has um, High School Nine One One, which is an amazing show that that uh, that highlights this uh, ambulance organization that's run completely by high schoolers. Not a gotcha show. It's a it's an uplifting like, wow, look at what these teenagers are doing. Um, look at Melinda, and I, I can't remember the name of the show right now, but it was um, shot in Africa, and it was also very, very uplifting, and, and I feel bad that I can't remember what it is right now. Um, and you look at, at the other shows as well. Extreme Home Makeover, they've done. Right. Um, she was on Bachelorette, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> threw one red flag to me because yeah. I was like, oh, hey, yeah. so what, you know? Wait a second. I mean, it's a show. It's entertainment. One of the camera guys, David West, who... I love David. Oh, my God. He's so amazing. I worked with him a lot and, and talked with him a lot. He filmed The Hills, but he is an amazing photographer and his scope of work. And he, and he also did Naked and Afraid. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but he's done shows all over the world. But it's like with The the Bachelor, you can't be defined by those shows. That. And do you know what? I still watch The Hills. <laughs> but if you look I still at watch the... the Bachelorette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you look at what they stand behind and what they what they talk about first, it's those uplifting, you know, positive things. One thing about David West, um, I said, so I heard you were on Naked and Afraid, and he and I watched his eyes kind of roll back a little bit. He goes, "Yeah, go ahead and ask the questions," and and he was expecting, you know, questions about, you know, are they really naked, naked. or whatever. Yeah, that was what I asked. And I said, so. <laughs> Is it and I, what I went where I went was the behind the scenes stuff of you know is it like Bear Grylls where you you pan to the right and the Marriott is you know a hundred yards away, and he said no it really is out in the middle of nowhere and you know I'm surprised nobody's died <laughs> you know like that real he said yeah I asked him if I did the Naked and Afraid show if I could negotiate a larger blur <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Big nice. guy. All right, that actually brings me in. Oh you, my just, God. you just segued. What is actually does uh, uh, 
Back to the hot dogs. Mm. <laughs> we don't serve those. <laughs> <laughs> What's BSD1 stand for? <gasps> I didn't know that either. I felt so dumb. <laughs> you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> Say that well, you've got some really good intel. I'll tell you what. This is where we need Chris Trot. Yes. <laughs> we had found a um, water tank to, to uh, do our smoker. And, you know, it just was all rusted. It was terrible. And then uh, Chris calls me and he says, you know what? I think I found our smoker. And I thought, well, what about the one that I just went and found behind this building? I mean, this one was great. And then I come driving up and I see the smoker or the tank he's found. And I got out of the car. I was like, whoa, this is the big swinging dick, man. (laughs) (laughs) So he named it (laughs) BSD1. By the way, Chris Trot, he owns Second Chance Restoration and Design. Uh, I'm actually sorry that he's not here, but um, we'll have him on a future podcast. You have to. Yeah, because totally. I want to have pretty much everybody and anyone who wants to come on. I'd love to have Tim and Melinda on, too. But yeah. you guys, it literally was just like lightning in a bottle here. So I was like, let's do it. I mean, originally it was just going to be Glenn and I, but that was kind of boring. It was, huh? <laughs> we, had, we had to add some spice. One thing I did want to comment on as the film office is that there's film-induced tourism uh, built into all of this. Most companies come in they shoot their uh, projects and they leave town as we all know this is going to be extending on uh, with underdog barbecue I don't think that's any secret and then sky's limits from there from what I've heard I don't think I'm allowed to discuss any of that but uh, just I don't imagine know anything, so. well I would imagine if I was any outsider and saw this I would think franchising I would think distribution I would think you know bringing more of these Erieites together and, and making Erie products more prominent in the U.S. I mean, I think if I'm wrong, uh, I'm crazy, but, I mean, sky's the limit. Erie is one of the number one cities in the United States right now, and I do believe it was Dan Laughlin who just did a huge thing because he's all for small business. Um, Erie is one of the number one cities in the United States rebuilding its own infrastructure through small business, through local business and entrepreneurs. We love to shop local. We love to support local businesses. Um, To that detriment, we also love to bash local businesses, which is unfortunate because everybody's trying and we are really trying to rebuild our town. Look at what they've done with the hill. What is that? Upper Peachtree? Or not Upper Peachtree. Lower. Peach Tree, but, well, like 26, uptown. 24. Uptown. Is that what yeah, they call it? Yeah, uptown. uptown. Where Federal know. Hill is, Grasshopper. Well, yeah, Grasshopper, yeah. Point Four, the Tipsy Bean. Yep, yep, Upper. Those are all local businesses. Like, there's local business everywhere, and we support them every day, and we should continue to support them. And and that's how... There's room for everybody. There is room there for really everybody. There really is. And if we all help each other instead of criticizing, right. we all come up. I mean, this is... All everyone's sitting. Rise. Yes. It's actually one of the themes of our TEDx talks one year, you know. That's a theme of of Underdog Barbecue is to go out and support the local other restaurants, right? I mean, you don't eat barbecue every day, so why not talk about the guy? Or if you're on the other side of town, go to Federal Hill. I mean, they have great barbecue. I've been in there. It's delicious. You know, I mean. Ryan's great. Exactly. I mean, nice guy. And and so that's the whole idea is – you know, let's when we we highlight the Erie Ale Trail. I mean, all those brewers that do such a great job. I did want to mention all the breweries that have been helping out. Right. Um, we've got, and we're gonna still continue to try to get more of the Ale Trail 
to be able to be poured in in our restaurant. So at Underdog, we have 24 taps. That was one of the that was one of the really nice things about uh, the location that we got was uh, we have 24 taps, and 21 of them are all local brews. So we've got um, Voodoo, uh, Lavery, uh, Erie Brewing, Erie Ale, um, and even some up in Spread, New York. Spread, Spread Farms. Brewers, that's right. Brian's. Uh, yeah. And and they're all Black Monk. you know right here locally. Black Monk, exactly. <laughs> You're doing better than I am, and I'm supposed to know this stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, but the whole point is, if somebody tries something, you know, we have one or maybe two of their beers on tap. But the the bartenders are being trained that hey, you know, I really like this this Black Monk brew. And so they say, well, you know what, the brewery is right down the street. Go over there and, go and try. In there and check it out right. directly. So, excellent. That goes back to one of my favorite shows growing up was the Miracle on 34th Street. Remember that? Uh, and the Santa Claus would refer people to the other stores that they didn't have it. I That has stuck with me since I was a child. Natalie Wood version, that's my favorite. I just love that <laughs> philosophy that um, that Underdog holds because it isn't a competition. It's it's a, it's a We are all in this together. It's a community. So we had one of our uh, Film Society followers who was asking what he has termed Ribgate. Ribgate. Oh, 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 my God. Here we go. I like this. Oh. So, so okay. go, no, you go first. All right, well, because this is what has happened in the past traditionally with the Erie Rib Fest and actually a couple of the festivals in town. For some reason or another, and I'm sure you can go out and find all this information, but uh, local vendors seem to kind of get shut out due to the fact that the organizers contract out food services with a company that can cover the massive numbers that come in. Um, there's been a lot of kickback with local vendors and what have you, but I do feel that everyone's trying to work together to change these things. That being said... Okay, so I, I heard that about the roarer on the shore, and that was the big deal behind it. I have no idea about um, the Rib Fest, because I thought I saw local vendors there. Obviously, it's a competition, and there's there's travel teams that go around the country and do this. I mean, there's hundreds of those around the country that, that come on. Again, you're going to have to watch the show, but when we decided to pivot, you know, and then that was coming up, it was perfect timing going, hey, you know, we'd like to get in and showcase ourselves. And um, and so that happened. I don't know if anyone has ever tried before, right? I mean, you don't... It almost sounds like that. If no you don't one try and you, you don't, don't ask, you don't get. Exactly. So, um, and, and by the way, we didn't just try. I followed... Uh, Kathy uh, Danielson around town. Okay, I mean, I went to the Manbecue. I went everywhere I could saying, can I get in? Can I get in? Can I get in? And so it was not an easy task, right? I mean, and it wasn't just the doors didn't just open. What I thought you were going to say, because everybody knows, I think it's okay to say uh, what place we got at the Rib Fest. And I thought that's what you're talking about. And I will promise you this. We earned our spot. Your location? When, no, our oh, location oh, oh, was probably the, the worst. Title. I thought the location was pretty good. No, I, okay, well, yeah, right. but they put us down at the end. We didn't have electricity, remember? We were, because the, they had to push us down there, and we ended up uh, jumping it on the other guy's uh, electricity. But, no, I meant um, that we ended up winning the Rib Fest. And I thought, okay, we've got TV cameras. I thought everyone in back home is going to think this was fake okay because i'm going they're not going to believe there's been this. a few of those i've, I've yeah. seen a few of those comments. oh have they too i don't oh, need yeah. any of that stuff that but paid but off. i will tell you on my children's life okay everything is put on a sealed deal they had it all v- yeah. filmed and we had no idea 
And I, I mean, but the one thing we did is we took Mike, who was from Mambecue, and said, this is your only job. We want you to babysit these ribs. We want you to make them the best, the competition love. ribs, right? Make love to the ribs. That's right. <laughs> you know, so him, uh, you know, tying for first was absolutely real. And we were so shocked and because they, it was all, um, what do you call that? Like, it was uh, all a blind taste yeah, test. Yeah, blind yeah. taste test. So that's what I thought you were going for because that to me, I was like, people aren't going to believe this. I mean, I barely believe it, you know, and I saw it with my own eyes, you know, because we were new and those. But I'll tell you why I think we did win, actually. When you have those electronic smokers that you're there to do, you know, just thousands and thousands of ribs, it's a lot different. We had a complete wood burning smoker that gave it a completely different taste. And we took hours to smoke ours versus those other ones that can be done a lot quicker. So, you know, we did have, I guess you could say an advantage in the fact that, you know, we brought that wood burning smoker and it just took longer and it was done, you know, where it ended up making the meat even more, you know, uh, I guess juicier and more, you know, um, delicious, delicious. Thank you. (laughs) We'll grab lunch. So along those same lines, um, you know, it was, it was one of the things that, that really endeared Glenn to me, I guess, is that, and that's not the right way to say that, but one of the things that, that made me really re- know that he was absolutely genuine in what he was saying was I looked, I was at the front of the, of the rib fest and we had this amazing line the entire time. You know, they were, everybody was supporting local. I saw and that. I, and I'd look around and I'd be like, where's Glenn? And he looked back and he was the one scrubbing the dishes. You know, and, and you think about billionaires and you think about, you know, I'm, I'm above that, I'm too good for that, you know, whatever. He plugged in wherever was needed. And the other thing I want people to know is that it was us that stayed till four in the morning to keep the, the fires going and those smokers to, to cook that stuff. But more so it was Glenn that stayed all that time. And I remember um, I stayed really, really late one night. And then my wife dropped some stuff off in the morning and she dropped it off about 7.30 and she messaged me and she goes, Glenn's already back. So, you know, the... the it wasn't a good thing I caught the whole thing on fire. <laughs> <laughs> it almost blew up a couple times. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, but the point is that, you know, it, it wasn't that we, you know, when the cameras are there, we were there in front of the camera and then we stepped out of the way and like, you know, quote unquote, real smokers came in or something like that. It wasn't. It absolutely was us the whole time. RJ, you're going to Oh, no, yeah, I was going to just add to exactly what you said is I was one of the first ones there every morning, and Glenn beat me there every single morning. I thought going there at like 8.39, okay, I'll beat everyone there. I'll look good to, you know, and then he's already there doing dishes, cleaning, scrubbing. I think there was maybe, if at all, a camera there. Sometimes there wasn't even a camera there, and he was there, first person there every morning. Um, He was there after I left. And uh, well, I mean, it was our name, right? I mean, really, yeah, yeah. right? We're about to go yeah. off and put this business up, and it was our reputation. Yeah. And so it was more a matter of we've got to put our best foot forward. And you know, I had known by that point I'd asked a lot of these people, right? And it was it felt like um, you know they they're exhausted. Everyone's exhausted, you know, and tired. And and again, we didn't have the luxury of a what do they call it? A turn it and Set it and forget. Set it, it and type. forget it. Type of a smoker. We had to stay yeah. there all night, which again is probably why we won because of that type of a smoker. Which 
is great and it's terrible because you have to spend that kind of man hours. But I think in life you lead by example, you know. And well, who came up with the underdog? Uh, I did. Okay. What was what was you just? I mean, it, it, it just, just fit. It really did. I mean, I've always considered myself an underdog. I mean, I've never. Uh, I didn't come with a silver spoon, you know. I mean, I probably had a wooden spoon basically broke over my ass a few times, <laughs> but that's about it. And um, and uh, and I relate it to a lot of the people in Erie, and I relate it to the city of Erie. And I thought it's it is it's 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 beaten, but it's you know not down, and it's coming back up stronger. And everyone roots for the underdog, right? And it ends up pulling itself up and and rising to the top and so it just felt right you know and it was weird because I think all three of you guys had bulldogs too right it was something where I was like what is that all about you know and it just fit everything kind of went and it was really I mean if you think sounds like some cosmic series yeah it really was like aligning of the stars yeah yeah I mean, because like you said, there was a year before they contacted you, right? Mm -hmm. They were planning on would they do it, where would they do it, and then they began that, and then I ended up having kind of the cancer came back. You guys canceled five days Uh, before you were supposed to show up for some I was showing up. I had that operation in May, and I thought, well, they'll just cut this off, and I'll be good. And, you know, I stayed in the hospital like eight days. I thought it'd be one day. And then... um, you know, it was a lot worse than I thought. Ended up on morphine and lots of other stuff for like three months after that. And so I remember they said, well, why don't we do it in August? And I thought they're coming here. And I tried to take myself off the drugs. I ended up in the hospital for what, five more days. You were in the hospital I see six you. times over the last year. Yeah. So different oh, wow. things. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was okay. stuff Cheaper. people don't know and they don't need to know. It's your personal life, too. Yeah. Well, and that's an okay. I don't mind all that, but I... But I, I didn't want any of that to affect how people saw me. So that's, you know, all those kind of things are, are long story. But um, Well, real quick, and that's one thing, too, I'm hearing is that he used cancer as a, you know, as a, a, a launching point. I'm like, no, he, he didn't. He used it as a motivator. That's it's sure. a biomarker on what's, his life. What's the difference between it's other local song. people, yeah. maybe local people who aren't billionaires? I can think of probably a dozen people I know in Erie right now. I don't want to say who are using cancer as a, hey, look at me, but they're using it as a motivator. You know, they're posting pictures every day, this and that. You know, James Conner, look at him. He's right. from here. Look what he did yeah. with his cancer Come story. Now. So what's the difference when he does it? Right. Totally agree. You know? with you. Well put. So forgot well, I mean, about they James can show Conner. that up there. So I, I don't know what you're talking about because I, I don't yeah. read the social media stuff. Don't but do I will yeah, tell you this. Do <laughs> I don't think I ever brought it up to any of you guys. Meaning, I mean, you knew that was the beginning. Hey. I had cancer, and it, it did. That was five years ago. I didn't talk about that I had it last year. I never told anybody No, that. we never knew I that. I wouldn't but imagine anybody coming up. What I said was, you get a great glimpse of life, and you realize life is short. And so I want to start and see if I can do this. Now, to me, what doing it meant wasn't to try to make a, a million-dollar business. It was, am I willing to put 30 years of my reputation on the line in front of 100 million people? Right, that whether I either going to be a failure or success, and it's not about the money, okay? Because you know, obviously, you know, people think that's the deal. It isn't the deal with me. It was 100% about will I look like an ass in front of America, or will I be able to, you know? And who? I just think when I when I you know everyone I know said, Glenn, go live on your boat, go have fun. Why would you want to risk that? 
You don't have to do that. And that's what cancer gave me, the ability to say, why don't we keep swinging at life, man? Why don't we take these chances? So I never used it poor me. I never even talked about it. It was just, that's what got me here, right? And then now let's go to work, right? you know? So I, again, I haven't read anything, but I, you know, I didn't, there's, there's never a poor me in, ever in that. Scenario. And I would never imagine that. I mean, you know, somebody coming up, hey, I'm Stuart Nash. Oh, I have cancer, you know? And it's like, <laughs> anyways, which, whatever. Anyway. Well, and as we were going through this, you know, I, I have some, some medical training, and so I could see when, when Glenn was tired and, and that, and um, my dad passed away from throat cancer. And so I was thinking about him while watching Glenn, especially during Rib Fest, when, when it was hours and hours and hours being put in. And it was, I, I just knew that if I said, hey, you know, why don't you take a, take a break or, or go catch a breather? He'd, he'd look at me like, what are you, stupid? No, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But the other thing that's interesting is after the reveal, uh, my stepdaughter went and, and looked up Glenn, right? And, and she started bringing up all the videos. So the, the video of you with Oprah the, the first time and, and, uh, and all these other videos with Glenn. And, and I actually, I walked away. I said, I, I really don't want to watch those. And uh, she's like, why? And I said, because the person I met is completely different from this person that's in these videos here. Um, and, you know, it's this grit that we all got to, got to actually see, you know, and, and the, the fact that when you're faced with something like that, it does change you. And, and, you know, I got to know the, the post that Glenn, right? So it's, I don't know where I'm going with that, but you know, it's what I saw. I didn't know that your father passed from cancer. Yeah. Mine did as well. Oh. And it affects everybody. It does. It does. And just, I don't know. We're all touched by it. Yeah. I think. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's more than a divider. I think it's a connector because it just shows how we're in this battle together and we all have things we suffer and we struggle with. And um, it would be sad that someone would p peg that as an excuse or a reason, but it's it's part of life and death, and it we are all affected in profound ways. So, whatever it is, it it took Glenn. T it it was an eye opener for Glenn, and it when you are faced with your own mortality, whether it's through a loved one or yourself, you look at life in such a deeply profound way and you realize how valuable and fleeting it is. And if you can't live big, why are you walking around? Live big, live hard, live well and and love. And that's what we're doing here. Uh, we have two little girls, one's 10, one's 13. And for a few years, all they knew is sick daddy, you know? And so I had a second chance and it was, you know, a big reason for me was, you know, I want my children and my friends to see that that you um, you say yes to life, that you try your hardest, that you risk, that you you know you don't get older. When we're older, we have a tendency to become a lot more conservative because we don't want to risk it, you know. And and I don't know that that's right, you know. I think I've never felt more alive when I've put you know things on the line that you could lose it all, right? And and I look at it now, and I would say, I mean, I looked at it when. You know, back when I was sick, and I'd say, lose it all. What's that mean? I mean, that's lose some money? Big deal. Lose, you know, I mean, in other words, live and feel it and, and be in touch with your emotions and go for it. And, you know, it's not your health, you know. And so 
And you don't realize that until it is your health, right? And then you go, all the other stuff didn't matter that much, you know? And so, um, so I wanted my children to see someone that's a fighter, that's a risk taker, that is not afraid of um, failure, you know? Because so what? If you fail, you can get back up again, you know? The only failure is not getting back up again. That's I right. I completely agree That's with right. you. And you learn from your experiences yeah. and your failures. But uh, we've been sitting here for quite a while, so how about just final thoughts here? Want to start with you, RJ? August 6th. Watch the show. Yeah. Tune in. I'm actually without words. <laughs> <laughs> what? Words. You took my line. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you know, I'm excited for people to get to know this man I've been married to for 16 years. He is an enigma on so many levels, an anomaly, and um, I have mad respect for him. And he is a fierce loyalist to the people that he loves, and he sees potential in so many people. And I love what he has brought together here. I couldn't be more proud. And I really, I think the title is deceptive because it it conjures up an image of what people may think in the past. And I think that was by design because people will expect one thing and I think they are going to be pleasantly surprised. I would just like to add that Mindy and Glenn are relationship goals. Um, yes. <laughs> I have never met a wife who is more supportive of her husband and I've never met a husband who is so madly in love with his wife. They are to get, and their their witty banter together is just amazing. Um, but anyway, uh, August sixth, watch Undercover Billionaire. And uh, I'd like to thank the city of Erie. I'm really proud that, that we ended up here. I really appreciate all the students and entrepreneurs and store shop owners and everyone that I got to know. I appreciate that they um, just wanted to help somebody that they didn't know that was that was out to try to make um, you know a difference in the in the city and and I'm really proud of what happened here and I really do appreciate everybody that that helped because this is a great great place and I'm so so glad that Discovery is going to be able to showcase Erie and really put it on the map for what it is. It's a hardworking, just respectable, gritty, um, wonderful, wonderful place. And so I'm really happy for what I think it's going to do for Erie and the people of Erie. Okay, an undercover billionaire premieres Tuesday, August 6th at 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific on Discovery. I'd like to thank our guests for showing up today, Mr. Glenn Stearns and his wife, Mindy, RJ Messenger from Iron Empire, Matt Sanders from Got Trigger, and Don Van Scooter from 920 Furnishings and Design. I'd also like to give a special thanks and shout out to Chris Trott from Second Chance Restoration and Design, Laura Caldwell, who works at Sisters of St. Joseph, Kelsey Hofius, Cleet Collins, Chris Norris, Mike Lavarans, Armando Reyes, Ashley Messenger, Jennifer Flack, Julie Flack, Jesus Munez, Mike Sky, Joe Mando, JJ Huey, Jesse Olszewski, Robert Frank, Sal Frederick, Noah Shettle, Jacob Bardco of Cam Media, Greater Erie Arts Rental, Maggie Horn down at the Gannon University Small Business Development Center, Kathy Danielson of the Erie Wild Rib Cook-Off and Music Festival, Pete Zafiris, Mayor Joe Schember and his administration, County Executive Kathy Dahlkemper, Black Monk Brewery, The Brewery at Union Station, Erie Aleworks, Erie Brewing Company, Lavery Brewing Company, Sprague Farm and Brew Works, 
Voodoo Brewing, and of course, producers Tim Warren, Angus James, Melinda Sia. We'd also like to say special thanks to Dan Laughlin, Ryan Zimmerman, everybody at the Erie Ale Trail, and director of photography, David So that's been our episode. Remember, you can buy tickets for Apollo 11 at filmsocietynwpa.org or at the door. Doors open Wednesday at 5.30 p.m., Next week, August 19th, we'll be joined by Sharon Dale of Greater Erie Arts Rental and Penn State Barron's Program Chair for Digital Media Arts and Technology. And August 26th, we'll be joined by Erica Berlin, the president of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania. Make sure you follow us on social media. You'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for this episode. Until next time, this was Film Grain. This podcast is produced by Edinburgh University Center for Branding and Strategic Communication. It's part of the Northwest Pennsylvania Innovation Beehive Network.